I'm Kristen McFarland, and this is Market Like a Badass. I'm the founder and CEO of The Source Marketing Group, a cannabis and craft beer marketing technology company based in Denver, Colorado. Today, we're going to hear from special guest Glenda Quesada. Glenda is a master brewer and badass in charge at Dirigo Fermentary in Costa Rica. She's going to share so much on today's episode from breaking stereotypes and creating more diversity in the beer industry to tips on running a successful restaurant and brewery. Join me in welcoming Glenda to the show. Welcome, Glenda. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm excited to have you and an international guest, which is exciting. Our last episode of the season. So, um, yeah, it's super badass. And uh, I want you to be able to tell our audience what you do in your own words. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do. Uh, Thank you. Well, uh, I'm a Costa Rican and um, I used to live in Maine where I fell in love with craft beer. Then I moved back to my country and um, I wanted Costa Ricans to experience um, all about craft beer. So I decided to start my own business. And um, so I'm the brewer of uh, a small brewery and restaurant that is very close to the main airport in Costa Rica. Oh, wow. It sounds amazing and like a great place to stop in at, grab a beer and food, and then make your way to maybe the beach towns and enjoy a vacation. Uh, I imagine, uh, and we're going to dive into it, but you know, you get a mix of customers that way, um, both international and local. So um, before we dive into that, I want to talk more about uh, the restaurant and brewery Tell us more about your past. Like, how did you get into brewing? Let's dive deeper deeper into that. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is actually in IT. I have a, a master's oh, nice. in IT. I used to be a, a programmer and I did other uh, type of uh, jobs uh, within the IT industry for 19 years. So that was the life I knew and I really loved it. But um I got to a point where I was growing in the in my career, and then the like the really corporate jobs. Uh, I I found that I didn't like that as much, and so I decided to make a change. But before I decided to make a change, I for work I had to go to Maine to leave for like four years uh, for a ninety job that I that I was at at the moment and. Um, it was a great opportunity that um, I was working with this company that had uh, headquarters in Maine because Maine is a beautiful place, but not only um, from, you know, the people and the nature in that state, it's also um, the many, many amazing beers you can get there. Yes. Like we lived in the city and we were like walking distance from, I don't know, eight amazing breweries. Wow. So it was so easy to fall in fall in love with craft beer and, and all that. I mean, not only the quality of the beer is it's all around it, um, how passionate the people brewing the beer are and how passionate the customers are about beer 
and new releases and trying so many different styles. So it's it's impossible not to fall in love with that. Yes. Well, and I've got to say, like I was talking to a brewer at Great American Beer Fest and I think his background was something like, again, I've talked to brewers that were like nuclear physicists or, you know, there's a lot of smart people (laughs) and they tend to, they tend to fall into beer and find that passion. And I love all the unique, um, the unique stories. And, and personally, I think you all are flipping smart. I mean, you all do so much as brewers that, well, and just knowing how to balance things out. I mean, it it makes sense why a lot of the brewers that were me, I I meet maybe have a background in in IT or, you know, nuclear physicist, and then they, they can find something that's more fun and maybe that they're more passionate about and still bring that intellect into, into that work and, and, you know, help create kick-ass products. And I think that's really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I never planned to uh, make such a big change in in my life, in my career. It just, I think it happened very organically and little by little, you know? Yep. So I I started brewing when I was living in Maine. I didn't have much time, so the majority of the brewing was done by my husband, I have to say. Um, But, you know, we we both love um, food also. We have we're big foodies. We love cooking too. Ooh, yes. So I think it was kind of natural to fall into that. And then when we moved back to Costa Rica and I got this uh, new uh, position in the company, it, it was very stressful. It was, I wasn't, you know, doing a lot of technology anymore. It was very like managerial. If, if oh yeah. You know? Yep. So I didn't, I didn't like the politics around it. And, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I work all my career to get to here and I don't like it. What am I going to do? So I, I resigned my job and I didn't know what to do next. And, but I had time. So I started brewing a lot and me being me, I started to study a lot and nice, <laughs> get yeah. deep into it. And, you know, at some point my husband was like, Hmm, I, I think this may be your new career because you're, you're brewing a lot and you're selling your beer. People really like it. And so it, it happened very organically, but making the decision to move from that, like a hobby to a business was a really big decision for sure. Yeah. But wow. I don't regret it. I mean, so far it's, I love it. I think it was a great decision. Yeah, it is. I and you've got the wind beneath your wings now, and and how amazing! I mean, to to go from, yeah, just brewing at home, probably learning all the terms like what's diacetyl. I mean, <laughs> you know, all of the things that oh, yeah. you start to figure <laughs> out to make you know um, to make good beer. And I, I guess how did you get into the space, you know, in Costa Rica, and you, you and decide I'm going to take the leap. And not only that, but you're you're now finding a commercial space to um, to help you be profitable or not, you know, depending on where where it is and how much foot traffic's coming in. Right. So you know, as many companies, I started in my garage. I had the brewery in my garage, and when we decided to that we would take our savings and start a business. Uh, of course, we didn't have much money, so we had to start very small. And so we rented this container at a plaza in Costa Rica. And 
we started, um, you know, brewing at home and bringing the beer there. Uh, and then we were selling pizza because it was easy oh, nice. to do in such a small place. Yeah, that makes <laughs> so, so much sense. I mean, you have a small footprint and that's something you can easily crank out, you know? Yeah, exactly. It was like a food truck. Uh, and then we started getting customers and more customers. And, you know, I would talk to them about the beer and how I was brewing the beer and this and that. And they were like, but where's the brewery? You know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I wish I could show you and explain the process and all of that, because I get very passionate talking about that. And but in that space, there was no room for that. So um, one day a customer came and we started talking and he turned out to be the um, son of the owners of a hotel that was like two miles down the road from us. Oh, from nice. And so he was like, I was explaining to him without knowing that. I was like, yes, I wish I had more space to have my brewery within the restaurant and this and that. He's like, you know what? Uh, my dad uh, has the restaurant closed uh, because of COVID. So, and he, you know, he doesn't really want to run it anymore because the hotel itself is a lot of work for him. And so he really doesn't want to run the restaurant anymore. He would like to rent that to somebody else. So why don't you come and see it? And I was like, oh, hell yes. <laughs> How amazing. But I was also so nervous because I was like, wow, a restaurant within a hotel? Like this, Very is, true. this is a big step up. Like I feel I need to get into the middle first and then and then do a big jump, right? But I, I went to see the place anyways. And when I entered that place, it's, it's very close to downtown, but it's surrounded by nature. It's like it has beautiful gardens. It has this amazing tree. And I just picture myself brewing with that tree there, giving me all the good vibes and energy. And I just I just couldn't say no. So oh, I talked wow. to his dad and I was like, listen, you know, we're starting. We're a small business, this and that. Thankfully, he started like that, too. He started very small. He's a Costa Rican that had to build his uh, business from, you know, scratch and everything. So he was very understanding and he gave us a really good price to help us start. So and that's how we started there. We're, we're still there. Amazing. That's beautiful. And how how serendipitous and and it, and it benefited both of you, hopefully, you know, I mean, you're you're providing something really unique and um, literally a taste of Costa Rica to, to people traveling in and staying at that hotel. Right. So, um, exactly. I think it's a win-win in that situation. And, um, I imagine it's super, I imagine it's very different in how you approach from even just two miles away, right? Like your clientele down the road was probably very different. And so, yeah. and you're more than a brewery and whatnot. So like, can you talk about some of the challenges or what's it like running a restaurant as a destination for people visiting? You know, how do you, how do you change that appeal from locals to serving tourists, you know? Yeah. So, well, when we uh, started thinking about this uh, business, um, we, my husband and I, we were thinking about a brewery, right? That was, the, that, that's, that was the business in our heads, but the equipment that we had was super small. 
So if you only sell beer, there's no way to make a profit out of it. Because <laughs> you sell to, you know, a very small amount of units. Um, so, and the other reason why we uh, decided to also sell food is because, and I didn't realize this until I um, lived abroad, but Costa Ricans like to drink and eat. Oh, nice. No That's my drinking. kind of place. <laughs> <laughs> There's no only drinking. It's both. Um, so I think that uh, a tasting room without uh, food wouldn't, wouldn't go very far in mm, Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. So, and then when we moved to this uh, big place, of course, a hotel has uh, certain, you know, requirements for their customers, right? And so, and we didn't think, we didn't even think about it when we decided to move there because we've never been in this business. So it was a big learning curve, but thankfully the owners of the hotel were very patient with us to that's huge yeah and give us you know all their share all their experience about what people look for when they are you know staying at a hotel and it has a restaurant they you know you always have to have a hamburger on the menu oh (laughs) yeah so we started with like a pizza kind of menu with a hamburger on the menu and other like italian dishes because our chef um his specialty was Italian food. So when, when we talked to him and we said, hey, we're you know moving to this other place, we have to have a bigger menu. Um, you know, he just followed his line of work. And, yep. You know, he brought the risottos in and the pastas and all of that. So right, it yeah. became a very Italian menu. And so we started like that. And after months of um, listening to our customers and talking to them about our menu, the food and all of that, they were like, you know, we love that, you know, we, we can come to try uh, local beer. That is so cool. But why why you have an Italian menu? We want to try Costa <laughs> food as well. Like not yes, local like, food. Yeah. Hmm. It makes sense. It makes sense. It makes total sense. It's like what I look for when I travel. I want to taste what is local, right? Local ingredients and local dishes and local culture. That's that's why you travel, I think. Yep. Well, most people, right? And so we we found that the majority of our customers were asking for that. So we made the decision to completely change our menu. And now it's it's all local food. Wow, it's Costa Rican food. Wow, and it's I mean that that sounds amazing with a beer pairing. Again, uh, pesto pasta is amazing, but I right. like a different. You know, again, I would like that local flair much better. Especially, it's like oh, it's my last night. I'm about to fly out, staying at this mm-hmm. hotel. Now I get more local cuisine, and it, it just feels more authentic. I think to you and the brewery and, and the hotel. So I think that is pretty badass. and hopefully the data is speaking for itself. I mean, are you oh, getting yeah. customers that are um, giving you feedback on that or are sales increasing? How's that going? Yeah. And that's another uh, positive aspect of uh, being inside the hotel because, you know, we help each other. Oh yeah. Sometimes people don't give you feedback directly and also, the hotel has this uh, really good practice of uh, leaving like a feedback uh, sheet on the bedrooms 
so people can fill it out if they want. Um, oh, nice. Is that is that the main way you're getting feedback? Because I, I was curious about that. Or do you email out surveys? Or what's, what's the easiest way to collect that customer feedback? Yeah, I would say that's how we get, um, I would say most of the feedback we get through that, which is great. Because uh, it also helps the hotel know how we're doing. Yeah. Of course, they're interested in us doing well and treating their customers the best way possible. And, and same with us, right? We want the yep. customers that come because of the brewery and then end up staying at the hotel to be happy with the hotel experience as, as well. So it's like a symbiotic kind of relationship. Um, but we also make the effort to talk to our customers uh, frequently. Like I'm always at the restaurant. I only have like one day off. Uh, if I'm not brewing, I'm uh, serving tables or even sometimes helping in the kitchen. I try to, you know, have my hands on all the time yep. um, because that's the best way to really know what's going on, if people are happy or not. I also try to taste uh, the food to make sure it keeps uh, the standard and and they're not changing the recipe. Yes, that's huge. <laughs> or if, yeah. if we find something we can improve, right? So I think the best way to get feedback from your customers is talk to, talking to them yes. uh, directly and asking, you know, how's everything? And some people would just say everything is good. And some people would go further and say, hey, you know, I really like this. I think this can be improved and, and things like that. So between that and the feedback from the hotel, um, it's it's been really good to help us improve. Because I think most of the time customers, like they don't want to complain to get a free something, right? I want a free beer out of this. It's like, they just want to feel heard. And so if you're yeah. willing to do the table visits and um, really speak to the people that are right there, oftentimes that customer improvement will go up and you're getting that feedback that you need to keep improving the output because, you know, it, it's hard, in re- especially if you're a restaurant and a brewery, right? There is that level of quality. And I've worked in a lot of restaurants. And um, the ones that I loved working at were, like, very on top of it in terms of quality and consistency. And um, yes. I think it takes a lot to run you know, to run something like that, but it probably gets people coming back too. And, um, speaking of getting repeat customers, how, how are you getting repeat customers back in the doors to enjoy your beer, especially because you do have a lot of tourists? Um, do you have a, you do have a local following as well? And, you know, how, how, how does that work to, to get more people buying your product? Mm-hmm. Well, lately, especially, we have been working uh, towards increasing um, our local customers. Because, of course, when we moved to the hotel, um, most of our customers uh, were people that were staying at the hotel. A few of them were Costa Ricans that, you know, live uh, far from the airport and wanted to stay there because they were taking an early flight um, so they would stay at the hotel but most of our customers uh, were international customers and something interesting about it is that a lot of them are Europeans and you know 
they grow up drinking super high quality beer. Yeah. Wow. So at the beginning, I was very nervous, you know, because I, wa I wanted them to be happy and with the beer. And but I knew their standards were super high. So it was a little nerve wracking at the beginning. I, I would be like, oh, my gosh. A German, a German is on that table. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's wait to see. Let's wait to see. And I was so nervous waiting for the feedback and everything. Thank God it's been very good feedback so far, especially with the uh, German styles. We have a oh, nice. uh, German pills and a Weiss beer on top. Uh, so yeah. So I, I, I always, I'm like, how was the beer? How is it compared to your country and this and that? What can I improve? And You know, and I have got really good feedback at the beginning. The German uh, pills that I was brewing um, was not and not uh, bitter enough, and so I had oh. to increase the IBUs a little bit and and stuff like that. But going back to your question, because I'm going the other way. Uh, sorry, I, I'm very passionate about. Oh this. no, I love it. I am like <laughs> I'm. I'm just thinking of the competitions, you know, where I picture a judge <laughs> looking at the glass and uh, sitting at the table and giving you that feedback because it is, it's huge. And, um, huge. and not every, you know, consumer can even have a palate to give that kind of feedback to, you know? I know, right? Yeah. That's the thing. So anyhow, so going back to our local customers, we focus too much on our, on our, Um, foreign customers because that was the majority of customers we were getting so we changed the menu and everything fortunately uh, locals like the uh, changing the menu as well uh, they like because you know cause you everybody from their country love the food from their country because it's like a comfort kind of thing yes I don't know. very true you yeah know? and so um the people really will uh, uh they were really um good they were accepting very well the menu change and everything but what happened uh, that forced us to look into our local customers was uh, the fact that there is a low season in tourism oh so, yes yeah it fluctuates where we were before we weren't depending on that at all it was pretty much the same the whole year But in, uh, in the tourism industry, you have a high season and low season. And so... Wow, um, I, I hadn't even like, considered that. So you're now dealing... Right? You think you have a... Oh, I have a built-in audience here. And now six months out of the year, you're dealing with that fluctuation. Exactly. Which, you know, I have to say, it's being... The low season has been higher than what everybody has suspected because a lot of people are sort of like catching up on all the traveling they couldn't do for a while. True. Yeah. So they are coming in the low season because sometimes they don't find tickets in the high season or prices are too crazy high and stuff like that. So we have had a, a very good low season, but still, you know, you want, you want to keep everybody employed. You don't want to uh, let go people because of the low season and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, We are trying hard to increase our local customers. We are doing so by uh, by getting into our social media more, being more active there. Something else that I love that we are doing is going to festivals, local beer festivals. Oh, nice. So That's a great way to highlight your beer. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It has worked like a charm. So recently we attended the Oktoberfest Costa Rica, which is the biggest beer event uh, in Costa Rica in the year. And it was awesome. It was like for three days, it was like 15,000 people attending. Wow. Uh, we sold all of our beer. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't have much for the restaurant. So I'm brewing like crazy right now to restock. But it was an amazing experience. And we have had people visiting the restaurant because they met us at the festival and they liked our beer. So they wanted to try our food, which is awesome. That is so, amazing. And, and such, yeah. I think the highest compliment, you know, because... For somebody, yeah, to want to go out of their way, it means they really enjoyed that beer. And I think that's the best customer testimonial that you you, you need, right? <laughs> I totally agree. So, you know, I I, it, I guess it sounds like it's uh, so rewarding, and it, and it is. It's very rewarding, but it's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. I, I got into a completely new industry that I, I didn't know. I having a restaurant in a brewery there, even though it's, uh, it's food, right. It's totally different. Oh yeah. Managing a brewery and managing a restaurant is different businesses. It is. So yeah. I have had to study and learn, and I have made a lot of mistakes, uh, on the way too. Uh, but it's, it's, it's worth the effort, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, I was going to say to your point earlier of like just being mindful about employees because you don't want to have to lay people off. I mean, you're kind of protecting your team, your business, your customers and always on to make sure that you're bringing that dream to life. And um, what what do you what, what would be some of your top challenges, you know, of running a restaurant and brewery? I mean, um, I know there are so many, <laughs> but what would be your, let's call it top two challenges that you face week in and week out? Um, I guess this applies to any business because uh, when I had my IT team, I would face some of these challenges too. And it's, um, you know, it's hard to retain good employees yep. because there is especially being a small business because you can't pay crazy salaries. Uh, so you need to be very uh, innovative and creative about what can you do to retain your talent and make them happy without going broke, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Because you still have to have enough, you have to protect and have enough stuff for the business to keep running and investing back and, I think that's yeah. a that's a fine dance that business owners are constantly looking at. That is yeah. a huge challenge. Especially when you're starting. It's tough because there is a lot of money you have to put into your business for different reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, in my case, uh, I have had to buy more equipment to brew more beer, which is a good problem to have. Uh, but if you don't have the cash, you have to ask for a loan and that's interest that you're paying, that it's eating your uh, profit and all of that. But now uh, that I'm in this business for like a couple of years, I'm like, wow, a lot of the things from my previous work experience have been so useful. So you have to kind of adjust your style of management to their personalities, their generations, their backgrounds. 
and you have to do the same in any business. Oh yeah. So that I... was, you know, knowledge that I could use, even though it was a totally different industry, you know, yes. that has helped me with, uh, trying to find ways to retain talent and keep, you know, and also make decisions when people are not working. I guess if I didn't have that experience, I would keep people that were not doing good for the business for too long. Yeah. And because I had that experience, I knew that uh, when somebody's not working out, you have to make decisions quickly. Yes. Because the more you wait, the worse are going to be the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. The more you wait, the more you waste, really. You know, it's um, you have to be quick and fail well and fail fast in business. And A player hiring is a big thing in our company, too, right? Because it takes a lot of time and energy to onboard somebody and you want to find the top talent that, um, yeah, you know, isn't going to be a, a thorn in your, your side because it takes a lot of time and energy, especially as a small business owner to, to find, and to your point, retain that talent and create a, a workplace culture that people want to show up and be a part of, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I knew how important was to, you know, define your culture, because if you don't do it, if you don't set the parameters of it, um, it's going to be created anyways, mm -hmm. you know, but disorganized and up to whoever it is that is, you know, having these behaviors and people are just going to follow. So you definitely have to define it and at the beginning I thought well it, if we are five people it doesn't make sense it's such a small business but it does yes it does. yes I have to have it very clear and in every single person even if it's two it's important for, to make the business work uh, so you have to define those values the culture since the beginning and yes that's something that it's also a, a good learning because I didn't I knew it was important for, but I, I was used to working big companies. So I didn't think it was important for a small business. And that has been a lesson learned for me. Yeah. And I would say the second uh, top challenge uh, has been that I, I care a lot about quality. And with beer, because in Costa Rica, you can't grow hops. Uh, we don't have uh, um, companies that produce malt. We have mm. to import everything. And, oh, that's right. Wow. And it's, it's not always as fresh as you would like. Um, so you have to be on top of the uh, vendors. And you have to be looking at your product, always tasting, checking all the characteristics, um, you know, and giving back product that is not meeting the expectations. Because... As you know, it has a big impact on the final product of the beer. Yes, so, that's you know, huge. A, a yeah, hop that is too old to really change a lot. It. Yeah, exactly. And so that has been challenging for me because I'm a little obsessed with quality. On the food side, is easier, especially having a Costa Rican menu. Because it's a lot of local products in Costa Rica, you know, fruits and vegetables grow all year round because of our weather and location regarding the equator and everything. So we have a, a humongous farmer's market so close from the restaurant where oh, we can get everything nice. fresh. 
That's fabulous. From the farmers, yeah. So that part has been easier on the restaurant side, but on the brewery side, that has been a challenge for sure. Wow, that's interesting. And I, I again, you just never know. You, I would have been expecting the restaurant side of things to be a little bit more challenging to just because keeping inventory fresh and just so you can still make a profit and you don't have food waste and all. I mean, wow, yeah, you're dealing. Talk about a lot of challenges, and um, I think this is a good pivot to our next um, big topic topic of conversation is another challenge in the beer industry, which is sexism and lack of diversity and things like that uh, that you know we're we're dealing with still in 2023, right? It's it's crazy. Oh, it's, crazy. <laughs> it's wild. So we're going to talk about women in beer uh, because for those of you who listen who are listening, if you don't know, women invented beer. How flippin' cool is that, right? From Sumerians to Vikings to Egyptians, uh, whether it's for ritualistic purposes or something else, we've been the badasses that are the backbone of the beer industry. But today it's very male-dominated. And I remember when I first entered the beer space, like more full-time and really started becoming part of uh, the the beer community and competition scenes, um, I really noticed just one, the lack of diversity and then just how male dominated it was. So um, can you talk about how that changed over time? I mean, I know a lot of it had to do with the commercialization of brewing during industrialization, you know, but women were the primary brewers. How did that evolve and what can we do to be increasing diversity in the space today? Right. Well, education is the key. And yeah. for me, I didn't know either that women invented beer. <laughs> I didn't know it was my heritage. And when I found out, I felt so empowered. But unfortunately, I was kind of used to um, that, like the fact that, um, you know, all the comments you get and how uh, people just to start with are like, no, you didn't brew, you didn't brew this beer. It's not possible. You know, wow, yeah, <laughs> and you're, a woman. you're like, well, this is a feminine craft, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, and it, and it did, it started off that way, and now, yeah, it's probably weird to get comments of. Yeah, from people where again you're like, hey, I can I can brew you under the table. <laughs> and it's funny, even as a regular customer, when I sometimes go to a bar or a restaurant. The comments I get sometimes from the um, the staff, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we have we we have fruity beers for you, yeah. Ooh, yeah. not the fruity beers. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, fruity beers are fine, but no, I, I mean, I, I I like a good IPA. Yeah, bring me an IPA, please. Are you sure you want yeah. an IPA? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think education and just doing your part wherever you're at too. Of like whether you're in a brewery or your local festival, your local competition. You know, getting friends of different backgrounds and of involved. Like I feel like I've noticed in the beer industry, there's a there's still a foot forward. I think we have so many strides to go, but like even eons ahead of the cannabis industry, which is extremely male dominated. Um, yeah. And I just think, yeah, to your point, education and, and, and bringing, you know, 
gosh, bringing your diverse assets into the space and not being afraid to put yourself out there. Cause once you get in, you know, there, I've met so many amazing people in the beer community that they're just like family. Right. And, um, I think that's what made me fall in love with the, the, just the entire industry is there's a lot of good people out there. Um, and you know, look at what they're doing with pink Boots society to get more women in beer and highlight, you know, and do women's brew days. Like, there's a lot of ways, I think, for finding other women and finding your community or even a career in the beer industry. So exactly. can, do you have any tips for, for other women that are, are looking to get into beer? Yeah, and I would say for in general, not only for beer, because, you know, I was used to this sort of like hostility sometimes or lack of education, like ignorance a little bit, because when I started uh, studying uh, in my previous career in IT, we were only two women in the whole campus in IT. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, gosh, gosh, so, engineering you know, and IT is another industry where it's like, oh, come on, we need more yeah. women. Exactly. So when I moved to this industry, I kind of like found the same thing. Uh, and so I would say like in general, it's just like, if you are passionate about it, just go for it, go for it. And, um, I used to be more like the beginning of my career in it, I would be very offended when I would get comments like sexist comments and stuff like that. Um, cause there is no way you can be a good programmer if you're a woman, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but later I learned that a lot of that is, it's just a mindset, uh, mm -hmm. not only for men, for women too. We, especially like in Latino countries, I would say we are, uh, educated that way since we are babies. Right. Mm, yeah. So many times it's not like a bad intention from the person. It's just lack of education and uh, maybe a little bit of ignorance so i would say first of all if it's something you're really passionate about it don't even think about why you can get into in terms of comments or just follow your passion and do it if it makes you happy um, second i would say don't be offended try not to take it personally uh, and try to talk to this person because many times is uh, education, what they are lacking. So when I talk to the customers, uh, they come and they are like, oh yeah, your husband is the brewer. And I'm like, no, I'm the brewer. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yes, I'm very passionate about beer. And then I start talking about uh, how I got into it. And then I I try to pitch in a little bit of history. And they're like, what? I didn't I know women invented beer. Wow, really? You guys started doing that? I'm like, yeah, isn't that amazing? Yes. So You're like, who run the world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just, you know, understanding that I didn't know that either. Yeah. Uh, I had to learn that too. And yeah. so, um, you know, it's just trying to have that approach in general with with people that you know just share share what you know uh and that is gonna go a long way uh many times i also have got like in festivals women and men coming to me and saying hey you know it's so cool to see a woman brewing beer i think it's 
your beers are uh, this and that, very delicate. And I think it has to do with that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. All, like with a positive attitude and, you know, they just want to be supportive. So yeah. there's also a lot. I think it's changing. It is. So, yes. And I think... Yeah, now now to be part of that change. Yeah, time time to push, and um, I think the more we can get again more women involved, the more I mean, just again more diversity means better innovative ideas and creative beers, right. and just there's going to be um, just so much cool stuff happening. And I've even noticed even more female Cicerones, like, hell yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do I it. Know. Um, so it's growing. And I think, um, I think more people in life in general, whether it's craft beer or craft cannabis or craft this, it's like, they want that quality. And I'm, I'm hoping to continue to just see, uh, the craft beer industry grow and, and embrace even more consumers and especially women. Yeah, absolutely. And things like this, this podcast, I I really thank you for doing this because it's, oh, it's something, you. it's part of the solution for sure. It's, it's part of the spreading the knowledge and I'm sure uh, people enjoy it a lot. Um, you know, people like, you know, minorities, but also people in general, I bet it's really interesting and it helps them uh, realize uh, that it's, it's, it's something that is happening and it has to change. And many people, when they are on the other side in the majority of the spectrum, they don't even realize that sometimes that's, that's hard for people being in the minorities. Yeah. So it's, you know, and when they realize it, they support it most times. Yes. They understand and they, you know, take action. So things like, like this podcast, it's, it's awesome. Oh, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming on. And, um, you know, obviously I can't let you leave without going through a lightning round. And so I've <laughs> yes. got, a, got a few questions for you. And you've got 10 seconds to answer. So we're going we're gonna to go through this quickly. Um, but let's, let's dive in. You ready? Yeah. All right. What's your favorite style of beer? Oh, it's tough to pick one. Um, uh, beer. Nice. Ooh. Uh, I, I would love to come down and try yours too. I bet it tastes amazing. What's the hardest beer to brew? A lager. Oh, a lager. Would you rather vacation at the beach or in the mountains? That's tough. A combination of both. What's your favorite cheat meal or uh, guilty indulgence? Oh, sweets. Oh, nice. Ice cream, cake. Oh, sweets. I love it. Yes, that I would say that is, I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, what is, do you have a female role model in business or, uh, you know, badass female entrepreneur we should be following? Uh, yes, I have a um, a friend of mine is she was one of the first brewers in Costa Rica. Oh, nice. Uh, What's her name? She's a woman. She has a brewery. It's called El Viaje. And I admire her so much. Uh, I have the um, I have the pleasure to call her my friend. And she has taught me a lot. Oh, that's amazing. And, and shout out to her because, it, again, it takes a village. And um, 
how amazing to have such a supportive badass in your network. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you again. All right. You made it through. That was, that was painless. And thank you so much um, for for coming on and, and making it through the lightning round. It really is. It's such a pleasure to have you on and just to share your knowledge and experience and how you've overcome challenges and just navigated your way into, into the successful business that you're in so far. And so it's, it's so valuable and I appreciate you uh, joining me today. Thanks so much. Thanks for inviting me and for talking to me and, and letting me, you know, get other people to know we exist. And I really hope, uh, you know, that people visit us after listening or watching this podcast and, and talk about the podcast and that would be amazing yes well and i really look forward to the opportunity when i get a fly into costa rica and yes. uh check out the the mountains and the beach and and we'll be able to to sync up for some beers and local costa rican food so um in terms of you know where to find you can you tell our audience a little bit about like either your social handles website where what's the best place to to learn more about your brewery yeah uh so we're in uh tiktok uh instagram facebook as dairy go fermentary all together and also we have a website uh with all of our contact information a little bit of our, our history and the menu also so uh, it's uh, www.dirigofermentary.com. Perfect. Thank you. And if you need quick links, check out our Market Like a Badass show notes. We're going to link to the social handles and the website. That way you can easily find it and uh, go check out the, uh, the, the food and the beers that are on tap. Thank you again for coming on and follow us on Apple or Spotify or go to marketlikeabadass.media for the latest episodes of Market Like a Badass.